If you could give sentience to any single object inside your own house, any household item, what would it be? Roll initiative. I got a 14. Seven. What'd you get down? 14. So you're first, Adam. I'm second, Dave. And then you're you're last. Justice for Dave. (laughs) Uh, I would absolutely give it to an action figure. That's weird, because then you've got a little guy running around in your house. Yeah, I would have a small little roommate that if I got upset with him, I could put him in a cupboard. Are you trying to make Toy Story real? No, but small soldiers, yes. That didn't work out well for half of them. I fell asleep about three quarters of the way through the movie, so. And did it work out okay for the people? I feel like it worked out okay for the people. It didn't work out okay with some of the people. Yeah, I feel like I'd be okay. Because he'd be my little buddy. You See, you do that. You have a Gulliver's Travels incident uh, just waiting to be brewing where they're you're going little, to get tied uh, down and poked. They're not little potions, Dan. That's 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 not what they are. It's, you're just going to have a little action figure. I'm going to choose uh, probably a Batman just so we can run around and talk like this. I I, I don't know. I, I 100% would not make... Like, for the comedy and for the lulls, sure. But... Uh, do you really want to have a tiny Bruce Wayne sitting on your cabinet going, why are you watching that video? All right, what's yours? Uh, for me, I, t- one object in my house to give sentience. Yep. And keep in mind, this is a cold open, so stop rambling, you bastard. Th- that goes two ways, man. Uh, a two, uh, you know what? I, I would do my TV. So would I you? like, oh yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I would definitely make give my TV some sentience just so it could, uh, you know, take the place of a babysitter actually, rather than us just sitting our kids in front of it when we can't handle our kids for an hour. Oh no, you're not thinking that through Dan. It's going to get bored of the wiggles after hour seven and change the channel to the news. Your kids are going to be horrified. No, no, that is specifically why I'm going with my TV because there's only so many, you know, uh, kids, songs on youtube i could take i can only listen to johnny johnny yes papa like a certain amount of time in a day i can only listen to baby shark for a certain amount of time in a day no i have kids there's a difference they do things to your mind Dave? dave what do you got uh probably i would pick the dish that i use the most so it can just wash itself right like i hate doing dishes just just figure it out right just take something that i would have to do every day and just do it yourself i'm over it this is magician's impression uh magician's apprentice level stuff where it's just like all of the brooms start moving and sweep up the floors i i I make my vacuum sentience so i don't have to vacuum anymore yeah i mean like to to build off of adams if you could have a little batman that just runs around and does the dishes all day great but i mean if it's got its own mind and it wants to do its own thing well no go away i will make the dishwash itself no but then it would have its own mind and it would do its own thing yeah like because it could cook me my own meal it could wash itself and that's all i want i'm a simple man well i agree with you there Okay, can we just all agree, though, that Terry would probably animate a fleshlight? Yes. I feel like he probably already has. No, just because it has that much DNA and it doesn't mean it's sentient. Oh, right. Oh. All right. <laughs> that was a good place to cut it. Gross. <laughs> That's a good place to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Dave. Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion, where you never know what you're going to get. I'm Adam, and with me remotely are Dave and Dan. Hello! And today we're talking about constructs. Woohoo! Guys, how often do you run into constructs in your own games? Warforged all the time. Uh, okay. Not in Eberron, never. Well, you'd never run into constructs in your own games? I think the most recent one I did was uh, we fought a sort of merit. I, I, I put merit in it, uh, quotations because it was definitely reskinned a little. But usually, no. I, I, I don't play a, against a lot of constructs. Like, we're not fighting a lot of golems. We're not fighting a lot of, um, like, uh, animate rugs. We're just, like, I mean, I, th- I think in recent memory it's been, like, an animated door. And a merit. Those are, those have been the two big ones. I very rarely use them in mine because I would rather have um, more interesting motivations behind my creatures, and I find that uh, constructs are very very simplistic as a as a basic um, creature type. Yep. So yeah, but but that's where you can make it more interesting that's where there's room for nuance that's where you can kind of take this established idea of a construct that isn't super fleshed out and flesh it out in your own way through the adventure i understand what you're saying i tend to run big life and death and literally i don't mean like life and death stakes i mean like legitimately life versus death where undead are a major factor and I find that constructs and oozes uh, muddy the water a bit. So I tend to steer clear of them in my own campaigns. But I really like constructs. Well, I like the idea, and I've tried to do this a couple of times in different campaigns. Uh, of course, they were Eberron-based. But course. where you're trying to find that original Warforged Forge and figure out what the magic is behind it. And I think at one point I had my guys... Had we gotten that far, we didn't. But had they gotten that far, they were going to have to imbue their souls through the forge into Warforged in order to carry on. Like, and I mean, that's not anything that's in any source material. That's kind of just that's yeah, your homebrew. Yeah, that's that's where I played with it. That's why I like the, the the room to make your own. You know, they give you an established idea, and you can build on it and do whatever you want with it. Yeah. Yes, that's true of most uh, of most creature types, though. I just know that you love your Transformers. Yeah, I do. For for me, like I I I I don't know, man. Like I for like I like using constructs as a balance towards the chaos. Like they they're they're the flagpole of order in my mind. So they they're the ones who, um, if if I have a bunch of shapeshifters or uh, primordials or something, I will throw constructs. In especially like Modrons and stuff like that, as a balance to that, as the as the foil to the chaos, the the roiling, ever changing versus the inevitable uh, persistence of a construct, right? Like there's just something um, hard line about a construct. Like to me, constructs have jagged edges, whereas chaos doesn't, right? Whereas primordials are fluid. So, uh, like, I, I like using constructs for that reason. Um, and, I mean, let's be completely honest, guys. 
the mad wizard with the with the stone golem outside that's just iconic you gotta have it somewhere yeah i mean i agree with you i just also like having them have an ogre outside or like there's just a million different ways you can go oh, yeah, with, yeah. with any given scenario and i tend to steer clear of constructs they just never occur to me i really like them but they're never my base go-to so i'm kind of excited to do an episode about constructs so for those of you who don't know, constructs are uh, essentially non-organic material made sentient that are stomping around and um, there's a magical component to the fact that they are now animate. Everything from golems to gargoyles to flying swords. These are all constructs because they have a uh, not skin, not flesh and bone level of uh, a body of corporeal being to them they're surprisingly uncommon in D, &D um, until you get into the published modules at which point they actually tend to show up kind of on the regular i mean there's large statues that are stomping around not only in water deep but in tomb of annihilation as well i feel like most dungeons are probably going to have a construct in them somewhere yeah, absolutely. Would you agree, Dan? Yeah, no, I would. I would. I would definitely agree. Um, but they tend to be low level. They skew towards tier one. Um, there are some really high powered stuff. You can find things in every single one of the tiers, but with the exception of the merit, which is a CR twenty five, the highest CR that you get in the base three monster. Uh, bestiaries the monster manual volos and xanathars no not xanathars ordenkinens yeah um the highest that you get is a cr16 and did you guys know that there's not a single construct in volos i mean that makes sense volos is is kind of flesh and blood that's what volos always been about so i don't know i thought that was that was just kind of weird that they uh, they skipped over that and they waited for uh, Mordenkinds. And they really did flesh them out in Mordenkinds, just quite a bit in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really like, and I really like the uh, offers. Like, to be completely honest, there's not a lot of constructs in the base monster manual either. Uh, there are actually kind of a ton. They're just overshadowed by the fact that there are as many different dragon types by the time that you break down wormlings to adults to the different colors to shadow dragons yeah fair enough dracolich is right like there are a lot of constructs around but uh, there's probably got to be 30 in in the big three books which i guess is just the big two books when we're having this conversation yep so um and we're not counting but, things like the infernal hell engines and 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 things like that in this the infernal, uh, the infernal engines. I what you said the infernal engines from oh. Avernus. No, 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 no. As a matter of fact, um, I I'm talking really only the stuff that's in the the base three books. Um, there are so many books now to scour through. I did kind of a quick look at what's out there, and there are a couple of bits and pieces here and there, uh, but they're usually either vehicles or uh, warforged. Hey, uh, if you go to Eberron, or they are gigantic, massive statues stomping around. Those tend to be the other three. Even the Warforged Colossus is really just a massive statue stomping around. It just happens to be hollow and drivable. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's great. You, you yeah. Dave, do you have a great big shooting grin on your face now? Yeah. So I've I've talked about in the past about how I have uh, my own custom world, uh, my home brew world that I've been working on for about a year now. Uh, The gods are massive deities that actually like they're limestone constructions that walk the earth Um, and and they have some divine aspect to them. But you could see them. They're tactile. They are there. Um, And they're these massive ancient limestone creatures that that kind of move around the world. I will be honest, I've straight up used the Warforged Colossus stat block, given it a couple tweaks, and that is what they are. I think that's fantastic. I absolutely love the idea of there being these monster behemoth. I like Godzilla. I like Cloverfield. I like Attack of the Titans. Anything that has, like, ridiculously huge creatures is really fun for me. Um, Have you ever played the game Shadow of the Colossus, Adam? No, and I want to so bad. Yeah, it's but. so good. It is absolute, and like that's where I got a lot of my inspiration from for these things was Shadow of the Colossus, where it's like, and and I think playing games like that or watching anything that involves a a, a kaiju monster of some sort, like you could really really bleed into your constructs with these things. Oh yeah, I have to say that one of my favorite things that I've ever seen in a video game was uh, Kratos. And I think God of War three, when he's climbing the Titans at the beginning, there's that yep. whole big opening scene. Man, that gave me chills. I absolutely freaking love that. I'm all about massive monstrosity. That's why I love the giants in D and D so much. I really do. We haven't talked about them very often on the podcast, but we will. Uh, and I'm very excited about that. But they've got a lot of um, a lot of really large constructs as well. Because it's uh, it's terrifying to see one of these things come at you. Think about the ball uh, chasing Indiana Jones, yep. right? That giant boulder coming down. Now imagine that thing had arms and legs and wanted to hit him, right? The idea of there being large creatures in dungeons coming after you that fill up the entire hallway, that's a lot of fun for me. Yeah. And, and, but, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say like, you can't really get very many like uh trap like monsters without going into into uh constructs. I mean you could you might be able to hit oozes, but that's and maybe some undead, but really constructs is your go to for that. Yeah, absolutely. So the interesting thing about constructs is that you can actually find them either in, like the base of a wizard's tower or like in and amongst a like there's usually a wizard involved animating shit. Either building golems or um, or animating rugs or flying swords, that kind of wizard nonsense. Or there is a mechanist, the lawful neutral plane of order. Dave, do you want to jump in on this? It's mechanist. You happy now? No. <laughs> Alright, so 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 what 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 what's going on in Mech Anus there, Adam? God damn it. Okay, so there is a uh god, a singular god in Mechanus. You guys are gonna make me say it wrong and I'm already angry about it. Mechanus. I'm gonna do everything in my power to not say it that way. There's a god in Mechanus? So, uh, it sounds like a Scottish butthole. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> 
So there is a singular god. His name is Primus. And no, he did not write the music for South Park. Dave. But Primus is the um, all-knowing god of, of order. And he's got a number of different minions beneath him that are Modrons. And we'll cover Modrons in a future episode. But everything that is native to this plane, almost everything is a uh, is a construct and they essentially live on giant gears and they keep the world uh, not just the world the multiverse moving in complex ways they essentially run the machine behind how the multiverse runs they are order yeah and like law. the lawful neutral straight up right Absolutely. And they care more about the idea of order than they do about even like man's laws don't matter. Is this a lawful thing? Is there an equal and opposite reaction if, if to you, every action that you take, right? It's about balance. Yeah. Uh, it, what would you do, Adam, for uh, running a creature from Mechanist interacting with the laws? Like what – what specific things are they looking for that they consider out of order? Um, first and foremost, anything tipping the balance. I'm sure that he absolutely hates things like necromancers and demon lords. Uh, anytime that... See, I think about the blood war, right? And I think that if it would ever tip and the abyss starts to go crazy, let's say that the abyss starts to win... I would say that Mechanus unleashes its horde if it had one to do so with. Oh, it almost um, it certainly would, does. It, would, it, it has factories. Like, for me, Mechanus has factories. Uh, by canon, it only has, like, three million inhabitants in the entire plane. Oh, really? Yeah, it's very, very low. And most of the inhabitants aren't aware of the other inhabitants. It is a large, desolate, empty place where people are worker bees. Did you ever see um, the second Alice in Wonderland movie, Through the Looking Glass, where they went and they dealt with whatever his name was, Sasha Barrett Cohen? No. No. There is a clockwork realm that he runs around in, um, and he himself is made of, of like cogs and clockwork machinery and whatnot. That's what Mechanus looks like to me. And everything in Mechanus has a job and does its job. And I feel like you'd be walking through a Borg cube where um, you show up and you everything is just machine and gear. And like these are massive gears the size of continents sometimes that you're walking along. And there are smaller gears all over the place and the sky is full of gears. And you walk through and the Modrons ignore you because you are not on their radar at all because you're not part of their job. That's not part of the order. But if you interrupt one of them, now you have interrupted order and law. And now everything becomes aware of you and is going to come to you to find out what the hell's going on. Yeah, it kinda it kinda run. has a circulatory system kind of effect where if you interrupt the flow of it, the white blood cells, the the, the protective modrons are gonna come and hunt you down. Yes, and actually, it's not even um, the Modrons. Did you know? And I, I'll, you know what? I'll get into it later with the when I talk about the merit. But do you guys have any other thoughts about um, constructs besides um, 
what what wizards are doing just kind of with their own almost hubris where they're making their own minions left right and center or with primus who was keeping order is there another basic use that that you see for constructs i i, I mean there's warforge dave and we could talk for an entire episode about it but we're not going to i mean the base uh forgotten realms level of D. I mean, I, I see them as protectors, not maybe not just from wizards in their own hubris, but also like um, if I am to replace a minotaur in a labyrinth, it'll be a construct that I replace it with. That's a good point. They usually are guards or guardians, guardians at some yeah. point. Right. Like, so, so that that's what I would do. Also, I mean, you guys know me. I love my gnome tinkerers and you don't necessarily need to be a, uh, a straight up wizard to create these things so um i i would definitely have as long as magic is is in some way shape or form involved i i'd like i i like everything from the small clockwork uh uh mechanics uh, like uh, mechanoids to like full-blown constructs that have um like some sort of a protective or uh, as a military or um i'm kind of thinking like is Baba Yaga's house a construct? Absolutely. So, yeah. like, it's stuff like that, right? Like, just weird constructed things. Like, sure, it's a house on chicken legs, but it counts. So. Yeah, I wonder if they're actually legitimate chicken legs. I know the house part itself would definitely be a construct. Well, I mean, they're pretty big, so probably turkey. You're a fucking turkey. So, before we get uh, into it, I just looked it up. Do you guys know that gargoyles are not constructs? They're not why what are they they're considered earth elementals huh the stone golem then be an earth elemental no stone golems are are traditionally created from whatever material is at hand right it doesn't necessarily have to be see i like golems because i like to tie them into the elements uh anyway i think that's a lot of fun so so clay um is uh Water and stone is earth, and flesh is fire, um, and uh, and the other one that I'm missing, air. What's the fourth one, Dad? No, the the fourth golem, you wiener. Oh. Air golem. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I'm not gonna get it. There are people yelling at this at their radio right now, and that that's perfectly fine. Okay, so let's uh. Let's roll initiative, as we did with our previous one um, in this series of uh, the portfolios. The last one we did was monstrosities. We each took one high-level, super-powered foe. So um, we have the Merit, the Steel Predator, and the Hellfire Engine. These are the three big constructs we're going to talk about today. We've each picked one, and we're going to roll initiative and see uh, what order we're going to talk about them in. Sure. All right. Let's go. 19. I got a 3. Dave got a 4. So I go before you, Dan. Yes, you go Hashtag before me, Dave, because that's what the dice say. So I'm going to start off with the uh, the Big Papa. Ooh. This is probably the deadliest creature that I can think of off the top of my head in any of the... Um, any of the books except for like demon princes and the Tarask. And this is the merit. 
Now, this thing is stronger foremost, than some gods. Sorry? This thing is stronger than some gods. It is. Um, and it's a large construct. You'd think that it would be bigger for all the crazy shit that it can do. Um, but my favorite thing about it is that this is a inevitable. Now, this is the only inevitable to be brought into 5th edition so far. Are you guys familiar with the concept of inevitables? Yeah. I mean, they're going to happen, right? God damn it. Fan, please. Uh, you want me to describe what inevitables are? Uh, so, inevitables are a... They're kind of divine, planar constructs that uh, they are the the quote-unquote police of the planar reality, as, as I as I conceive of them, they go through and ensure order happens. Okay. So here, here's what it is. You're right, Dan. Let me, let me hit a couple specifics for you. There is a city called the city of doors and it is named sigil. In it is the hall of concordance. And it is an embassy of pure law. There are a number of constructs in it, uh, which hand out justice to criminals that and it's interesting because I don't know which criminals they're they're focusing on why some criminals would end up in sigil is it only people that break laws in sigil is it people that break cosmic level laws it's not very clear but the idea is if you cross the hall of concordance if you're supposed to show up and you don't the inevitables go out and get you and they just do they're like um, like bounty hunters, but SWAT team, they're incredibly lawful, every one of them. And they are going to show up and kick ass and take you back to the Hall of Concordance. And you have no choice but to go. They will just do this. They very rarely use lethal force, but they will if they have to. Uh, and you're going to have a hell of a time dealing with these guys. They're going to teleport into your plane of existence. They're going to plane shift in. They're going to kick open your door, grab you, and plane shift out. And they're absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Dan? Uh, no, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. They, uh, they, there is a... Uh, the way I would definitely put it is these things are the guys who do the bounty hunter on cosmic level threats. Like these are the guys who, uh, hunt down Thera's Dune. These are the guys who hunt down Vecna. These are the guys who, uh, are dealing with, uh, old gods trying to force their way back into the plains. Like stuff like that. That the, these are the not the foot soldiers, but they they're the they're the ones who are dealing with those threats. And if your high level party ever commits one of these large cosmic level sins, the idea that one of these guys could just pop in right next to you while you're sleeping, grab you, and pop out just as easily is terrifying. Right? These things can plane shift at will. Like it's just nuts. My concept with them is that when there are high level devils making deals and you break your deal with them or they break deals with each other and then go on the run a merit will show up and drag them back because it is about the letter of the law it's not about verbal agreements or or how was it meant what was the intended these guys these are your rules lawyers of D&D in game they're uh, rules as written, not rules as intended. 
hard stop. Yeah. And if you break the rules as written, they're coming for you. So let's get into why these guys are so scary. We have the Merit, and the Merit is a CR 25. Armor class 22, hit points 432. It's got a 40-foot speed, so it's going to catch up to most people. It can fly 30 feet around, and it can hover. It's got a strength near 30, a con over 25, and its intelligence, wisdom, and charisma are through the roof. Its dex is pretty standard, and that's okay, because it has saving throws for uh, intelligence plus 12, wisdom plus 10, charisma plus 12. It's got insight plus 10, intimidation plus 12, perception plus 10. This thing is coming for you. Yep, it'll find and you. It doesn't need... It doesn't need to be dexterous to do it. You're going to blow up a fireball at it. It's just going to walk through it. This thing is a Terminator. That's crazy. 432 hit points. 32 D10 plus 256. What else has anything that high? I, I like the, That's the, the highest Trask. I think I've seen. The Trask is higher. Okay, sure. But, I mean, I see, I run max stats. When Dan fought one of these things, he fought it. It had 576 hit points. Right. That's so, incredible. Um, this is a tier four fight and oh. high tier four. This this right. is a level so, 20 fight. <laughs> and even then, yeah, you guys, you're probably not going to do well. You guys did it at level 19. I'll get, in, I'll get into what you guys ran into in a minute. Um, for damage resistances, thunder, and bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. My favorite thing about thunder is it doesn't necessarily make sense at first, but there's a lot of stuff like shatter and things that does more damage to constructs. This actually uh, mitigates that. So while it will do double damage to constructs, this then cuts that in half and it does regular damage. So there's no real way to deal with this, this merit easily because it's immune to poison and it's immune to being charmed, frightened, paralyzed, poisoned, or unconscious. Also, I'm going to say right now, because it, it fits in here, it has advantage on all saving throws against spells and other magical effects. If it fails a saving throw, it can choose to succeed instead three times a day with its legendary resistance. And it has an immutable form, which is immune to any spell or effect that would alter its form. Oof. This thing is not going to stop. It's coming for you. With its 60-foot dark vision, its passive perception of 20, and its ability to understand every language, it knows where you are, it knows what you're saying, it's coming for you and it won't stop. This is frightening. On top of that, it has the ability to plane shift at will. Can, can I just voice one little thing that doesn't make a lot of sense to me with these things? Yes, they're CR25, and they don't need to be more powerful, but there's one thing that bothers me. What? How are they not immune to stun? Like, I mean... They're immune to paralyzing. They're immune to being unconscious. They're immune to charming. They're, they are called inevitables. They are coming, except for that one level three monk who just flukes. And gets that shocking, uh, uh, not the shocking grasp, but the stunning fist in. Like, how are they not immune to stun? I think that you, your level three monk that is able to stun it 
Great. So the rest of your level three party has the opportunity to run away. I think that it's not immune to stun so that you have a chance. It, it, it just, it feels out like they're inevitable. They're, they're, they're the things that, that will come no matter what. I, like they're, they're, yeah. they are the Mike Myers of the D and D universe. What the hell? Like no, 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 Michael Myers, Michael Not Myers. Mike Myers. It's a little different. A little different. Yeah. Okay. Fine. But like it, it, <laughs> it, 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 to me, it boggles my mind that they that they are not immune to stun. That's just that's just one little contention I have. They're beasts. What's otherwise. interesting though is that if you're going to role play these things, they're never going to be stunned. Um, let let me let me roll through what they can do as actions. Yeah, for sure. First of all, they get multi attack. They get two of the following things. Unerring slam. So they get to do this twice. It's a melee weapon attack. They automatically hit. You do not roll dice for them. It can target one person and it does a straight 60 force damage. This is them being the embodiment of law. There's no chaos involved. There's no will I hit. How much damage will I do? It is this is how hard I hit and I will hit. And when it hits you, you get pushed five feet away. Which, if you're huge or smaller, like I, I just see like this thing is large and it it could push a huge thing five feet away from it if it hits. That's right. Now, I want to also throw out there to people, if you're a particularly nasty DM, remember that this is someone moving outside of your threat range. So you're going to hit them and incur an opportunity attack. That's cruel. With an unerring slam, so you're going to do another 64 damage to push 50 feet away. Or 5 feet away. cruel. I love it. So, and again, this is force damage. Not bludgeoning. This thing just, boom, hits you with this. And off you go. And it gets to do it twice around. Three times if you include this nasty little opportunity attack. Which is, you know, 180 damage straight up, no dice rolled. Have fun, goodbye, you're done. Yeah. Um, It also has Blazing Edict, which is one of my favorite things. It recharges on a a 5 or 6. And it uh, creates a gigantic 60-foot cube of arcane energy. And every creature in it takes 45 radiant damage. If you just take it. Each creature that takes this damage then has to succeed on a DC 20 wisdom save or be stunned until the end of the merits next turn. Ooh. So, this is why I say that you're never going to stun it. Because it's going to stun you from you. Yeah, it's coming for you. You're going to be stunned. And so is everyone else. And then the last thing that it has is... uh, (laughs) This is my favorite name of an ability. Justify. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. The merit targets up to two creatures that it can see within 60 feet of it. Those creatures have to succeed on a DC 20 charisma save or be teleported to a teleportation circle in the Hall of Concordance in Sigil. You just get plane shifted out. Yep. Two people. A target fails automatically if it is incapacitated. Yep. If either target is teleported in this way, the merit teleports with it to the circle. 
After teleporting this way, it can't use its action again until it finishes a short or long rest. So I love the idea of this thing plane shifting in, beating the shit out of everybody, stunning two of them, dragging two of them away, plane shifting in, beating the fuck out of the rest of you, and while you are unconscious, it waits, gets in a short rest, and then takes you. That's terrifying. It's like that's the the ugh. Um I want to point something out that just occurred to me. <clears throat> a target fails automatically if it's incapacitated. Yeah. The stunned condition the first dot on the stun condition, the first not a uh, note is a stun creature is incapacitated. Yeah. So if it stuns you, you're gone by. Yeah. It's not just it knocks you into submission. If you fail either a DC 20 charisma save or a DC 20 wisdom save, you're gone. That's nuts. Yeah, that that's crazy. You're absolutely right. The idea that, that the first part of being stunned, uh, the stun condition is you are incapacitated. Yeah. So this thing, plane shifts in, beats up two of you or one of you for 180 damage, stuns everybody in a massive cube. And then immediately gets out on the next round, right? Now you have to keep in mind too that the um, two abilities there are actions that they can't use on the same round. No, so you'll but... be stunned. But I'm not sure that you're able to just get out like that. Well, if if they fail the wisdom save from the uh, from the blazing edict. They are stunned until the end of the Merit's next turn, which means if they're stunned, the next turn the Merit teleports out with them. Yeah, which means you've got to get your stunned characters away somehow. Your stunned party members. This guy, I like him for so many story reasons. Yeah, no, he, he, I, he's definitely not a threat I would throw at the party as a straight-up fight, as a brawl. He is he is a he is a plot device. He's another one of those things like the Terrasque where I'm not necessarily fighting it, but it, it's there, and it's a plot device. I like the idea of there being, like, three of these things chasing a party through the streets, and they're just slowly walking after them. But they don't walk slowly. <laughs> like, they move 40 feet. Like, are they just hovering 30 feet ahead? And, and the barbarian and the monk and the rogue are like, guys, come on, let's go. But the paladin and the cleric are like heavy breathing, trying to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, I love the idea of these guys. Like, one plane shifts in at the end of the alley. The rogue and the monk flip, right, and take off. The ranger starts peppering the thing with arrows as it backs up as quickly as it can. And it just Terminator walks forward. Because it's got 40 feet, right? And yeah. so the, the barbarian is, is running around and I, like people are freaking out. And then a second one plane shifts in on the other end of the alley. And now you got to go up this, uh, the fire escape. Right? I'm imagining like the Sentinels from Days of Future Past and yes. the X-Men. Yeah. That, the, you know, the wave of Sentinels comes in, but the, the mutants are always on the run. You know, like exactly. you never have a chance to rest. Exactly. Crazy. So I really like these guys. Uh, do you have any opinions? I love them. I absolutely love them. The one time we fought them, even though we were level 19, it was still a terrifying fight. So I, I absolutely love them. So um, let's, uh, let's roll 
initiative and uh do you guys have one set piece encounter or session or campaign idea that you want to use uh for this creature oh yeah all right let's roll got a 10 i am perfectly balanced in every way i got a two and dave got a 17 so we did balance pretty nicely here i mean i like the idea of uh, like I was just saying, the the always on the run. The you gotta figure out what you can do to neutralize this threat that's coming at you. Uh, you know where you have to go in order to do it, but you have to get there without having these things interfere. It's a game of cat and mouse. You know, you're you're always trying to keep them on their back foot as you're trying to reach your final goal in order to get them to leave you alone. Do you think that's why these guys are CR twenty five? Why that they've decided to make them so difficult to kill, so that they are this force that just comes at you that you can't stop. Yeah, they're they're a wrecking ball. Like they're they're, they're nothing but. Yeah, there's 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 no stopping a merit, and that is why I, I am definitely on board with the idea that they are relentless. Like they they like I I. I yeah, that's why these things are so difficult, is there isn't any stopping them. They're coming to you. Yeah, there's no stopping them. They're slowing them down and getting away. And then trying to find a way to hide from them. Which, let's be honest, yeah. they're planar police. They are. They know where you're at unless you have some fancy high-level uh, high anti-divination magic around you at all times. But the second, the second well, you pop out of that magic... They're there. Well, it's interesting because they don't have an innate knowledge or, or tracking or any of that stuff given to them. They don't have the ability to scry innately. They don't necessarily know where you are. Their passive perception is 20. They've got dark vision. Yeah. But, but I th- feel like they know what city or what neighborhood or what like square mile or acreage that you're in. But they've got to search and investigate and and break down walls to find you and kick in doors and yeah no i'm 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 with you on that one i mean i would pair these guys with a high level diviner and you have an unstoppable force but yeah yeah Um, what's yours so because they're so unstoppable because they're so inevitable uh i would definitely not have these things be a slug out fight um i would start off a session um with these things have like three or four of them pop in capture the party and pop out and that is the start of the session which is a straight up court case between you and a high level devil that you made a deal with about the contract that you guys drew up and he is uh trying to argue his case to the hall of concordance about the letter of this contract you guys have built up and these merits are there enforcing it right and and playing judge as well and they just stand there and they um almost statuesque in their stillness watch your party watch and listen to arguments back and forth about the letter of this contract and then it makes its judgment and that is the case so it is a court case versus a devil run by a merit right or several merits um that that is what I would have these things as like they're they're not a they're not something your party fights they're something your party gets captured by, um and they are something that has a big enough threat where it'll it'll keep your barbarian in check for a court case. 
right? And it wants to hear it wants to hear the witnesses of everything. And this is this is when you bring a legal drama into your uh, into your D and D game. That that's interesting. I really like the idea. I want to take it a step further than just a high level devil. What happens when all of a sudden the warlock doesn't have his powers anymore? Ooh, and and the merit goes and drags their fucking patron in, or 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 a uh, or a paladin uh, uh, breaks its oath or something like that, and now has to be stand uh, or has to stand uh, in trial against its its deity or or its 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 god of some sort. No, I love this. A cleric do- goes against the wishes of its uh god and has to sit in front of a merit like there there's a lot yeah, of reasons I, I like flipping it so that it is the the source of the power that is on trial and not the player character so all of a sudden the warlock doesn't have powers doesn't know why a merit shows up and says come with me your patron is on trial oh i breaking love its it contract with you and see this works best for a uh, archdevil archfey or you know, great old one. Yep. That gets dragged in. It's not like Celestials and Undying. I don't really see Hexblade, obviously not. Right. But I think that's a, a really interesting way of doing it. And then maybe see the merits as well. They're not judge and they're not jury. They're bailiffs at, at best. Right. So who's going to pass judgment? Why not the party? For sure. Why not have the party show up as the jurors and have to listen to the two sides? Even a witness, like, you know, what did your patron do against you? You know? Oh, I love the idea of any monster that got away, or even ones that have died and are brought back from the afterlife to testify. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's a lot of fun. What, what's yours, uh, Adam? My thing... I'm going to go back to the way that I used a merit, which is a little outside of the box. I broke the mold on this. I took it as I took it away from being a construct and I made it more of an object. And what I did with it was I turned it into a phylactery for a lich. And the soul was housed inside of it and you needed to destroy the merit. So I forced a fight. That's cruel. But the thing was I took away its planar shifting. I took away its um, justify ability where it can drag you to the Hall of Concordance. And I just essentially had it be one big freaking golem more than anything else. Yeah. And it was still terrifying. And like, it, 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 if we gave it... Well, the thing that I did to turn it back up to a CR 25, because as, as you take powers away, you got to replace them with something. What I did was I gave it a 90-foot teleport as movement, not yeah. as an action. And so that thing was just jumping around this battlefield. You guys were in a bit of a canyon with a bunch of NPCs. And the moment this thing started to stomp on you guys, and you were level 19 at the time, the moment it started to hit you, I went, oh shit, I'm going to straight up TPK these guys. Um, I'm going to kill the NPCs first. <laughs> <laughs> Insert fodder. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Let you guys kind of see what this thing is capable of. Because I, I don't know about you, Dan, but the other three certainly hadn't seen it. I, I had, had never no actually fought a games. merit before. I understood what it was, but I'd never fought one before. So this was, it was a unique encounter and a new encounter for me, uh, even as an experienced player. Yeah, uh, so I had a lot of fun with that reskinning of it, but I'm excited to use these the way that they are intended. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, let's uh, let's cut to a commercial. 
Hey everyone, it's Adam here, and we just finished our first giveaway in a long time. We're all super excited about it, and our winner at Gelf Wings, or G Elf Wings, I'm not entirely certain, I'm going with Gelf Wings, um, is our winner this time round. So, congratulations, and also thank you for joining everybody else who entered. This was absolutely phenomenal. Um, we really had a lot of fun doing this. Saw a lot of really cool Instagram stories. Uh, we noticed that some people were just flooding the Facebook page. Uh, we had well over 100 entries, and I was super excited about it. And uh, I know the others are as well. So we are sitting down and recording uh, Gelf Wings special episode soon and we should have it released sometime within the next week or so and uh we are also going to be mailing her these two awesome mimic minis that you guys can't see but i can and and they're awesome so anyway we'll be having more contests and giveaways in the future we're probably going to try to nail out a handful every year and uh and we're going to be uh consistently doing these special episodes directly to one person's direct question so Start thinking about it, start prepping, and we're going to open it up to uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, you know, all the regular social media places, and uh, and stay tuned for more info, more details, and again, congratulations to Gelf Wings. All right, so Dave, you wanted to talk about the Steel Predator? Yeah, I got the Steel Predator, and these things are great. Uh, when I first looked at them, I immediately thought of, you know, that band Steel Panther? Yeah, no, me too. I'm I like, I'm like, this is a hair metal band. Yeah. This is a hair metal band name. Yeah, yeah, it's it's literally metal. Or it's either that, I mean, Terry's not on this episode, so I'm going to throw this out to him. It's either that or your BDSM name. Your BDSM name yep. is a Steel Predator. Okay, yeah. I mean, Predator? Ugh. Oh, when you show up at the club, that's what everybody calls you, right? Because you've got, I don't know, a tattoo or something on your face. Because um, you have a weird bi-hinged <laughs> mouth? <laughs> Anyways, uh, this the Steel Predator, it's, it's a merciless machine that's sole purpose is to locate and kill its target. Uh, these things are made by a particular... Hexton, which if you're not familiar with a Hexton, it's this strange creature that's got uh, long arms that each have uh, six-fingered hands, and it's got four tentacles that have sharp claws, and they've got big wings and stuff. These things are the generals of the 36 armies of Modron. Modrons? Okay. You you guys know what I'm talking about? Yep, yep, yep. No, This is totally new for me. Okay. Well, that's that's what a hexton is so, so hold on are they are they constructs too or are they are hextons they, yeah no they're like they sound like genotions with tentacles uh i mean you're yes or, or doc ock with wings uh, yeah essentially they're they're weird looking i, I think a hexton creepy. is a modron isn't it it's a, it's a it's a hex modron it it's uh hex is six isn't it they're this they're the six-sided modron isn't aren't they? Yeah, but it they're not. Otherwise, it'd be a hexadrone. It's okay. six limbed. It's got six fingers on each hand. I I think this is just D and D creators being lazy with their naming and not realizing that it's close to the naming convention of Modrons. 
but anyways, this this one Hexton uh, has removed himself from the plane of Macanus, uh, and now is in the city of Sigil, um, which is also where the Hall of Concordances, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what this one guy does is he will create the steel predator uh, and send it after a target. These things are badass. They're CR-16. Are they lawful? They're lawful evil. So they don't go after a target to bring it in like a merit does. No. They go after it to kill. Yes. Uh, it it does not normally end well for its target. Uh, when it's created, when it comes out of the forge, uh, it, it essentially, you give it something that belonged to the target, and it can use that to locate it within a thousand yards, which... Kind of bugs me because everything in D and D is done in feet, and this is done in yards. Yeah. So, anyways, that's just my own personal little gripe. But once it's within a thousand yards, it uses sight and smell in order to track down its its prey, uh, and and goes just absolutely nuts on it. It's got an AC of twenty. Its hit points are two hundred and seven or eighteen D ten plus one hundred and eight. Oh, that's pretty respectful for a CR sixteen. Yeah. That, yeah, that... that's pretty beefy. Uh, terrifying. It's got a speed of forty word. feet. Yes, absolutely terrifying. These things are nightmare fuel. It is a giant metal cat that is spiky with kind of like I mean, it's got like stegosaurus blades on its back that are pointy and and like it's it, it's it looks like just, an unfurled saw blade. Pretty much, yeah. It's it's just a big old ball of hurt. I yep. love it. Oh. Uh, it's got a strength of twenty four. Dex of 17, Con of 22, and Intelligence of 4, Wisdom of 14, and a Charisma of 6. So, it's got good stats, but it, it's kind of balanced with the, you know, Intelligence and Charisma. Uh, it's Skills, Perception of plus 7, Stealth of plus 8, Survival of plus 7. Uh, you're not going to see this thing coming. It's going it's to gonna track up you. on you. And it's going to track yeah, the and, hell and, out of you. Oh, from a thousand yards away. Yeah. I mean, from indefinitely far away, it will just kind of know where you are within a thousand yards and then track the hell out of you. Uh, but that's not the scary thing. The scary thing are is it are its resistances, immunities, and condition immunities. It is resistant to cold, lightning, necrotic, and thunder damage. It is immune to poison, psychic, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. And it is its condition immunities are charmed, exhaustion, frightened, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, and stunned. I'm happy that this one is immune to stunned. This is immune or resistant to everything. What's not on that list? Radiant. Um, force. force. Fire. Force and radiant. And fire. Yeah, fire's not on the list. It's, uh, it, I feel like fire should be. No, no. Enough things are fucking immune or resistant to fire. Let, like... Come on, this this thing's from Mechanus. It is a hidden little thing. Um, it Say is it right made. Then. It is made of metal. Like uh, this is this is the fiery Mechanus destroyer. <laughs> no, Dan, that's a can of chili. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> that's Taco Bell. Uh, Check. Sorry, sorry. That's that's Taco Bell. <laughs> this thing has a blind sight of thirty feet, dark vision of sixty, passive perception of seventeen. Like, no matter what you do, this thing is going to find you. Uh, the only language it understands is Modron and 
the language of its owner, but it can't speak it. It can only understand it. So you can essentially, or the owner can command it. Yeah. 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 But I mean, most of that uh, programming of its query happens as soon as the thing is forged. You know, if you don't imprint that on it right away, then you might have some trouble, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure that the, the owner's language is necessarily going to get it to stop once it starts. Uh, the language one, I'd say the owner will. Yeah. I would say if the owner can set it off, the owner can stop it as well with a command. But these things were only made by that one guy, right? Like, there's there's, there's going to be a finite... Well, I mean, he, he continues to make them, but the... the I, I don't see these things being owned. They're rented. They absolutely are. Uh, if everything goes according to plan... These things slay its target, and then they voluntarily return to Sigil, where they're broken down into parts where they can be used again in another Steel Predator. Uh, they get recycled. Yeah, so like these these things, you don't buy these things to own. You rent these things to take down something you need found and killed now. Yeah, yeah, but I like this mechanic because it, it, it has a... Well, it's right in here, Rogue Killers. If it takes enough damage... It can cause this instinct to fail, where after it slays its prey, it just kind of roams around aimlessly. Yep. And it will attack anything that kind of resembles its prey. I also like that it says in the flavor text as well that it will ignore every other threat and go after its prey. Which means that it is hunting down your, let's say, I don't know, uh, monk. And it is chasing the monk around the battlefield because the monk is climbing walls and stupid shit by level 16, right? Everyone else can be attacking it, and it will not matter. This thing is coming after the monk. Yep. Right? And so it's... If you were to send this at a sorcerer with weak hit points uh, or a wizard, they're going to be able to slow it down a bit, but I can imagine you sending two or three of these things. Yeah. Right? To really tear someone to shit. Yeah, uh, and it wouldn't take much because these things can detect you when they're on different planes. Like, it, it's not just yeah on the same plane, which is interesting because this is where some of their spellcasting abilities come in. Uh, they can do each of these three times a day, and that's they can only do it on themselves, but they have Dimension Door and Plane Shift. So they can find where you are, come and kill you, well, find where you are within a thousand yards, find you, kill you, and just go back. Like, it's there's no necessarily long prolonged hunt you know they, they can have this done in a day yeah easily uh, unless you take extreme measures to defend yourself within those thousand yards yeah right you got to yeah. put up a lot of barriers in the way um so this thing also has magic resistance where it gets uh, advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects and its weapons are magical so uh, yeah, it overcomes that. Uh, it can make three attacks, one with its bite and two with its claws. Um, so its bite is a plus 12 to hit, uh, and it does 2d6 plus 7 piercing, plus it gets two claws, which is, again is a plus 12 to hit, and each of those does 2d8 plus 7. So you're looking at 2d8 plus 4d, or sorry, 2d6 plus 4d8 plus 21 per round that's that stacks up 
Yep, quite quickly. On top of that, it also gets Stunning Roar, uh, which recharges on a 5 or 6. When it emits a roar, it, it shoots out a 60-foot cone. Each creature in that area must make a DC-19 con save on a failed... Th- oh, con save. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, Barbarians are okay. Save, That's about it. Oh, well, get this. On a failed save, it takes 5d10 thunder damage. <laughs> it drops everything it's holding, and it is stunned for a minute. Fuck. <laughs> okay. Uh, on a successful save, it takes half as much damage. It doesn't drop anything. It's not stunned. Uh, but if the creature is stunned, it can repeat the save at the end of each of its turns. But still, that's a DC 19 con. So again, if you're coming after the wizard, it's not going to... You have a plus one to your roll, right? Like, you got to roll an 18, 19, or 20. Oh, yeah, and a 60-foot cone. Like, that's going to hit your wizard from far away. Yeah. Plus with Dimension Door, which it can do three times a day, once it planar shifts into the area. Like, it's just... It's not fair. Mm-hmm. This thing is going to find you. This is a killing machine. Like like the Merit was going to come after you. It's the Michael Myers. This is just going to show up behind you, kill you, and fuck off. This is Predator. Yeah. It's right in the name, Adam. No, no, no pre- from the... No, fuck. No, I'm with you. I'm with you, Adam. Yeah, it... it yes. Yeah. But, uh, and I mean, that's... It yeah. doesn't have a lot that it can do. There's not a whole lot of variety to what it can do, but what it can do is enough. And what you can do to it is very limited. Yeah, I mean, honestly, with the with the resistances, immunities, and condition immunities, uh, I really feel like maybe a sixteen isn't because it's it also be. it's also a pile of hit points. Like this thing, as a CR sixteen, has over two hundred hit points, if not more. Like. Yeah, and you can't stun it, so it's going to pop up behind you. It's going to hit you a bunch. It's going to stun you for a minute. It's going to make you drop everything in your hands, and then it's going to go up. It's going to fuck you up while it's doing it. Yeah, and then it's going to dim door to the next guy that's, you know, within range. Do that to him. Stun him, and then just walk around and kill you. Like, you're not You're not going to have... Like, this thing is, is there going a to separate you. Five and six. Pardon? Oh, it's five, recharge of five to six. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's 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 just it's going to find you, it's going to hit you, it's going to kill you, it's going to separate your party. You are not going to have your strength in numbers. This thing is the the velociraptors in the field picking you off yeah. one by one. You know. Do we want to uh, roll to see uh, if we have a set piece encounter or anything for this? Sure. Sure. Seven. I got a nine. I got a 15. Dan, you have not rolled highest yet. Nope. All right. So for me, my big set piece encounter on this is when you think you've defeated the dungeon, you are a level 14 party. You're pretty overpowered. You've got the magical weapons that are going to get past some of these resistances. Right, your bludgeoning, slashing, and piercing damage is is gonna. It's all magical at this point, so you're able to hit this thing. Um, you are uh, just full of not just magic items, but you got a couple NPCs with you. You're as high powered as you're gonna be. It's you're level 14, 15, somewhere around there, 
and you guys are are min maxed all to hell. You just defeated a dungeon. You are going through uh, the loot, and you're in the middle of talking about this when this thing just plane shifts in and just runs at you out of the darkness. Yeah, it's an ambush. I like and this. I like think that your guys should be able to kill it, which is why another one shows up three sessions later. And I think that you're going to be harassed by these things because the big bad evil guy knows that you're on the radar now. Yep. And these things will continue to keep coming at the most inopportune times. These guys are the reason why you set uh, a watch, a sentry, when you're sleeping, even in tier four. I love yeah. it. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Like my, my, my favorite part about that is this gives you some really good random encounter table fodder. Um, and uh, there is no look of surprise around a table quite as sweet as the face on your players when you attack them during shopping. Oh, yeah, totally. Or um, when one of these things just appears inside your tent. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's like you're all you're all getting hunkered down for the evening, and all of a sudden, I don't have a cat. Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, for my encounter, my set piece encounter, I really like the uh, the idea that these things, if you do enough damage to them, they could kind of forget their, uh, for lack of better term, programming, and just go on a murder spree of anything that remotely looks or sounds like it's. Uh, quarry its prey um because these things are extra planar creatures they don't necessarily know what a humanoid like what a specific half orc looks like it's going to just attack everything with a head two arms and two legs go um and i would definitely have a party be maybe late tier two when this starts happening because i'm going to weaken the steel predator a little bit because it would have had to have been to hit this point so it is just roaming the countryside, maybe is loose in a village, and your party has to take out this thing that will hit like a truck, that will uh, be fast and agile, but it probably only has one dim door left in it, or two dim doors left, and a plane shift, or whatever it is. Like, it is a weakened version that your high tier two party has to take down, because it is just killing everything indiscriminately maybe maybe the village is uh on lockdown inside their homes with like doors shuttered everyone hidden under the floorboards because this thing is hunting everything Um, i like the idea of you rolling into town you know oh thank god the village up ahead is is uh going to be able to give us the healing and the rest that we need and you roll in and it's a bloodbath and there's nothing left in this village yeah and there are these tracks out and these like streaks of blood that head off into the nearby craggy mountain range. And this thing is up there waiting for the next thing to come by. It chased some people up there and then it hasn't come back to the village yet. But that's kind of terrifying and haunting, especially Dan, would you would you give them um, the steel predator that you have damaged like this? Would you give it uh, like scorch marks or some sort of indication that fire damage did this? Would uh, you give your party the heads up. Uh, oh yes, like uh, I, I would. You're walking into this town and there's a like a burned out grove or something or signs of recent battle that involve like 
um, ash and cinder on the ground. Like uh, you walk in and at first you think it's snowing, but no, it's it it is ash falling from the sky because of blank. Um, maybe even have. I don't know, like have a couple of the dead ones, like have have some like shards of otherworldly metal around. And this town has banded together or a high powered wizard or something has has taken out one or two of these things. You can't quite identify what they are, the, these little chunks well, of metal. Frankly, if this one's damaged, there could be shrapnel all over the place. Exactly. Right. Um, and then like you don't really know what you're hunting, but you find the. On his deathbed, dying, bleeding out wizard who took out one or two of them who lets you know what it is. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. just, uh, just give, give a little bit of exposition to your party. And he'll even be like, don't use lightning. Use f- f- Dead. Right? And, like, your party's like, use f- Fire? All right. Well, let's try that, I guess. No, it was it was use f- yeah, you you have, you use, 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 use soup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, right, Dave. My, my idea for this one, I like the idea of you have like maybe a high tier three level campaign. These guys have gotten to the end. They found the MacGuffin. Uh, they have defeated the wizard. But now the wizard had a plan in place. If I am defeated, he has already paid to have these things come after you on your way back your party thinks that they've completed the campaign they think everything's great you know they walk through a dungeon how often do you get hit walking back out oh ambush them with them if you're you know, high like, tier three if you're high tier uh three low tier four and your enemy knows who you are don't have these things target the party have them target the party's loved ones you are a you're cruel man man. i do not like you so your party comes back sense of victory and like the the town that they have spent ages building up is either on lockdown or is or is just massacred it is a bloody mess there are people these these things have epilogue written all over them yeah yeah you know they're they're the after when everybody thinks they're safe this is sarah back at the shire exactly Yeah. yeah But, uh, you know, and I mean, I like that. It's nice, it's simple, it's streamlined, it's just... It's evil. It's very mean to your to your players because there's nothing they can do to stop that. You've robbed the agency from them, so I would well, have if... them get, get back to the encampment or the town or whatever and see three or four of these things stalking the streets, a couple of, of no-name NPCs dead, and then their keep, whatever... The door is busted open, and now it's a race against time. Well, right, to if if, if you're going to do something like this to your party, you gotta foreshadow it a lot, right? Have some clues, like maybe maybe the wizard has a you f- you find one of those. You know how you always end up finding like a ledger or something inside of one of these stupid uh, dungeons or towers or whatnot, and everyone's all like, "What what's yeah. in the ledger?" Blah blah blah, and you know it's like, "Oh, he bought these supplies." But have like make mention of there's one thing where he spent you know twenty thousand gold on something just marked contingency to a hex <laughs> to like a hexton something something right and now your party has to figure this out right like give give some sort of um, yeah but 
I, I hear where you're coming from, but I really want to lean into Dave's idea of the ambush on the way back. You don't have the foreshadowing. You get back and you need a short rest. You, you've used a whole bunch of your stuff. Yeah. Um, your resources are pretty dwindled. And you get back and find that your keep is blown open. And your guys have spent some time designing the keep and so on and so forth. And there are three NPCs all calling for help. Which one do you go save? Right? Does the party split to take these things on? I, I'd really like the idea of forcing uncomfortable decisions. You don't need to foreshadow it when you just give them the opportunity to choose which beloved NPC do we save? Yeah, exactly. Do we save the fighter's wife? Or do we save the beloved child that we all think is wonderful? Or do we save that uh, goblin butler that's been with us since level one? I love it. Yep. All right, let's, uh, let's cut to a shout-out, Dan. All right. So as you heard, we congratulated at Gelfwings earlier in this episode for winning our contest. But she also wanted us to give some special props to her husband and fellow nerd at Wolf Edges. His Instagram bio sounds a little familiar. He's a carpenter, husband, and father who enjoys drawing video games, D&D, and spending time with his family. So it appears that I have a clone, and you know what that means. I must find him. There can be only one. Seriously, though, you two sound great, and I'm so glad we could have this wonderful little interaction with both of you. Everyone here hopes you enjoy the Mimic Minis, which are in the mail as we speak. Stay tuned for the special mailbag episode devoted to at Gelfwings, where we're covering the magical tattoos in the recent Unearthed Arcana. But for now, back to the episode. What an amazing shout-out. I, too, love that person. Now, Dan, on with the Hellfire engine. All right. So uh, last but certainly not least is the Hellfire engine. These things are um, semi-autonomous bringers of destruction is is the way they're kind of laid out. These are the Hail Mary of the um, fiendish, specifically devilish forces. Uh, they are um, these rolling siege engines of uh pain hate and uh calamity that are employed by amnizus and other generals of the fiendish armies um they have many forms these things are gonna these things are gonna kind of shift and are customizable let's put it that way uh so these things could have big like steamroller uh wheels on the front of them or they could be like is in the picture here inside of Mordenkainen's um they 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 take many forms but they they have one singular purpose and that is to destroy anything that's kind of in a straight line in front of it so uh these things are also a really good way for the fiendish armies to fuel their armies uh because if they manage to kill a creature with one of their abilities Within 1d4 hours, it crawls its way out of the river Styx as a lemur. Um, it, like, these things create fiends, create devils, um, on top of everything else they do. Um, and I mean, let's be honest, they're constructs. They're, they're, they're going to pursue and live out that singular purpose of destroying and creating without fail. Um, they are a CR 16, much like the, um, uh, steel predator, but these things are not stealthy. These things are a huge rolling 
engine of fire and pain and acid. And um, hellfire? And hellfire, yeah. Um, they have an armor class of 18. Um, they have, you know, high hit points uh, above 200, but like 16d12 plus 112. Um, is the math there. Um, 216 as the base here. They're messy hit points as well. Um, they also move 40 feet. Um, the way I would do it, 40 feet in a straight line. <laughs> These things aren't turning very much. Um, well, there's no reason that they can't. There's no reason that they can't. But like these things just, they feel like uh, a wall of death approaching you in a straight line. Right? These, th- these things, that, that that's the way I picture them in my head. Um, they've got a 20 strength, they've got high, uh, high dex, high con, medium, like average wisdom, uh, incredibly low int and incredibly low charisma. These things are tools to be used. They are not seeking out their own, uh, destruction. They are kind of pointed and directed. They are arrows shot out of a bow, usually by the generals of the fiendish armies. Um, their saving throws, funny enough, they get charisma as a saving throw, which makes it a zero, uh, rather than the negative five it would be. Um, they have a <laughs> relatively high deck save, which is weird to me, but my guess is they're very bottom heavy. So, I mean, you can hit them. They'll just land back where they're going to go. Um, and a relatively high wisdom save as well. Um, their resistances are uh, to cold, psychic, and then the typical bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing from non-magical attacks that also aren't silvered. So if you have a magical fist on your monk and you're punching, but that and fist do. doesn't have any silver to it, they're still resistant to that damage. Um, it needs to be magical and silvered to get through there. I'm not sure anyone can resist my magical fist, Dan. Um, moving on, uh, they're immune to fire and poison damage. God, Adam. Um, and they are, in terms of conditions, immune to the char- uh, charmed, deafened, exhausted, frightened, paralyzed, poisoned, and unconscious. You could still stun these things. Um, yeah, okay. That, I mean, look, I stunned is my least favorite freaking condition. I hate it. I think it's overpowered, and I don't like it anywhere on anything and it I think that it makes monks so overpowered that they're ridiculous so I'm a fan of D&D just forgetting that stunned exist in the first place I uh, no I, no, I get it I mean you're you're you are the the self-proclaimed forever DM so you you see the bad side of it uh more than you would see the good um I do know that occasionally there's that one Hail Mary stun that actually gets through and that that saves the party. So, like, I understand stuns have its place. I don't understand how constructs can get stunned. That's just me. Um, I Other things, yes. Stun an Amnizu. Yeah, go nuts, man. But I, I don't see how you can um, stun... A hellfire I look at it more like you can knock a construct off balance and it takes a second to recover. Yeah, okay. It's yeah. not prone, but like think about a, a stone golem that's walking and you just hit it hard enough in the right spot that it it almost goes down on one knee and takes a second to get back up. That's your stun? No, you're, yeah, okay. you're just hitting it so hard. It's like, you know, your computer legs. It's like that. You hit it so hard it just it just needs a second to think and now it's back again. Like any yeah. time that I make a sex joke and that look on Dan's face, which is like 404. 
Yeah, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. uh, I'm, I'm... I am repressed. We have well established this at this point. Anyways, uh, moving on with the rest of its abilities. It has an immutable form. Anything that would change its shape doesn't. Just straight up. It's immune to it. Um, so you can't yeah. polymorph these things into into a rabbit and kick them across the field. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, the Merit had that too. Yeah. Um, it ha- also has advantage, like all other constructs, on um, saving throws against spells and other magical effects. That seems to be just a general construct thing. All of them have advantage. Um, yep. So, yeah. And now we'll get into its actions. Um, right off the bat, this thing uh, has its flesh-crushing stride, um, where it moves its speed in a straight line. During this move, um, it can enter a large or smaller creature's space. Um, any creature that it does enter, uh, whose space it does enter, must make a dexterity 18 saving throw. On a success, it's pushed five feet to the nearest space out of the Hellfire Engine's path. On a failed, it takes 8d6 bludgeoning damage and falls prone. And if the Hellfire Engine stays in its space, it is restrained. Um, it just it get run it gets run over and it gets pinned under the wheels. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, you get steamrolled. Um, now you can um, get out with a DC 18 strength check, or another creature within five feet of you can try to get out with a DC 18 strength check. Um, but that, of course, will take your action away from you to do. So, yep. fun, fun. Um, it also has three Hellfire weapons that it could choose from. The first is the Bone Melt Sprayer, which is a 60-foot acidic flame cone. This is... Uh, the way I would flavor this is straight hell fire is acid and flame together. Um, it does, uh, you have to make a DC 20 dex save or take 2d10 fire plus 48 acid damage. Um, if you fail, you are drenched in burning acid and you take another 1d10 fire damage plus 2d8 acid damage at the end of each of your turns until you take a uh, action to scrape off the fuel. This is napalm. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Um, and it's it 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 just chews away. Like it's a sixty foot cone as well. Like this is not a small area being covered. This is huge. These are the things you do not fight with a bunch of NPCs with you. You you need to take these things down with a few, not not many. Um, it also has a lightning flail, which is a melee weapon attack that does 3d8 plus 5 wep- uh, bludgeoning damage plus 5d8 lightning damage. Um, Oof. Yep, on a plus 11 to hit with a reach of 15. Feet. I am such a big fan of melee with a reach of 15. Well, it's got to make a DC 20 deck save or be hit by the lightning damage. Well, no. At that point... After it's hit, up to three other creatures have to make a DC 20 dexterity save or be hit with an additional 5d8 lightning damage. Okay. So this thing is taking out your crowd. If you come up with four, it could hit all four of you in one turn. And every action, it could do this thing. And if you're 15 feet away. So uh, I, I especially like how it's uh, three other creatures that it could see within 30 feet of the target. So it kind of branches out like chain lightning from that creature. Crazy. Um, yeah. And then its final attack is the Thunder Cannon. Which is... That's Dave's nickname in college. 
Yeah, yeah. Metal as fuck. Uh, the Hellfire engine targets a point within 120 feet of it that it can see. Each creature that is within 30 feet of that point makes a DC 20 dex save or take 5d10 bludgeoning damage plus 12, uh, sorry, 2d12 thunder damage. That's it. Half as much if you save, if you succeed. Um, so this is another one of those crowd clearing abilities. Now, any creature it kills with one of the three pre-mentioned abilities um, becomes a Lemur out of the river sticks in 1d4 hours. So if it kills you, you have 1d4 hours to get either resurrected or healed or in some other way revived or you become a Lemur. Um, at which point, yep. the only way to remove uh, to cure your uh, party member that has done this is to either use a wish spell or kill the Lemur and cast True Resurrection on the creature's original form. Yeah, these are the only ways to get these things back. And in my that, opinion, that this is where like the a, power of the Hellfire Engine sits. This sounds like plot hook. Yeah, yeah, no, it really truly does. Yeah, I'm with you. So that's it. That's the, that's the Hellfire engine. Um, I, I I love the fact that it kind of creates these Lemures. I love the fact that it um, is kind of just a wave of destruction. And it it is a steamroller in the very literal sense. A hellish steamroller. Yeah, I like the fact that it's got that charge ability that's going to crush people, but it has to move in a straight line to do it. Yep. I think that's where you got your comment at the beginning about it moves in straight lines. Yeah, probably. Because right? this thing will. I can, I can see this thing, you know, how big is it? It's it's, it's huge. huge, right? Yep. So I can see this thing like going down a street and hanging a left. You know, you can see the left blinker turn on and then it goes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Riding behind this thing, it's like ah, not throwing on its indicator. Fucking hellfire engine. <laughs> um, do we want? Do we have uh, some set piece encounters for this thing? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Oh, Dave and I got nineteens. I got a fourteen. So I'm going we last. Dave and I have to roll off. Two. I got, I got an eleven. All right, go. All right, I, I'm going to paint a word picture for you really quickly here. You're in the underdark. They have been dealing with demons and uh, summoning demons in. It's what they do down here. There are all sorts of crazy aberrations, and you guys have been running around. The only people that have been friendly to you is a Mykonid village. Uh, and so you're hanging out with mushroom people consistently. You go off to take out a small um, group of Duragar slavers. You come on back and find out that the blood war has come to the Underdark. By getting up to a cave that's about 800 feet uh, up, you come out the the mouth of a tunnel onto a little uh, a little ledge. You look down onto the grotto that is full of incandescent uh, crystals and lichen. It glows. It's beautiful. The Mykonids love this place, and it gives them everything that they need. But there's a hellfire engine rolling through, just just crushing mushroom people and lighting <laughs> them on fire and melting them. And you are met with the smell of cooking mushrooms and the screams of the children and the innocents. Jeez. Who hurt you? You did. And I'll do it again. <laughs> Please don't. We don't need more messed up <clears throat> encounters. That's that's terrifying, Adam. That is terrifying and awesome. I love it. 
Well, I think that this is going to be the only way that a low-level party... See, I know it's CR-16, but I'm going to do this at level 9. So you guys are 80 feet up and have the drop on this thing. Yeah, you're kind of stacking the deck in favor of your party to take this thing out. Because you have to at that level. Yeah, and it's they're going to lose all their allies, right? They've got to hurry up and do this, so there's going to be fewer and fewer uh, allies left. Maybe there is the one... Um, uh, leader of the Mykonids that has some sort of magical secret that they need to give you, so on and so forth, blah, 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 plot hook, and you need to go rescue them from hell. And you bring them back as a Lemure and then have to cast True Resurrection. And this is what you do for the next level. I love it. I absolutely love it. So, all right, Dave, what do you have? I don't know. I wanted to go a couple of different ways with this. I... Adam, I know that you are familiar with Stephen King. Uh, these things really make me... F- You're thinking Christine? No, I'm thinking the Langoliers. They're just kind of yeah. like running through eating the world as it is. Um, I mean, the Langoliers are, are eating the past, but I, that, uh, that's not really what this is. But, I mean, I feel like you could maybe make something... Like, like a wall of these things just moving through a realm? Yeah, oh. or, or the, other thing, the other thing I liked about it, I'm going to double up here because... You know, I was I haven't really fleshed either of these out, so I was just kind of sure, you know, yeah, spitballing. Yeah. Um, one of these is coming, and your low, like first level tier party, has to organize the city in order to create physical barriers to uh, disrupt skill challenge. Yeah, right. Like, the, like there's make it so that your party who d- won't stand a chance fighting it has to work together and become leaders in order to circumvent this problem altogether. I have a solution for it, by the way. The drawbridge across the moat, you knock it out and put in a rope bridge. People can run across, this thing's going in the moat. (laughs) Yeah, but that's just going to chew its way out of the moat. How do you chew out a moat? I'll show you. Oh, God! (laughs) Dan, quick, what's yours? Help me. Oh. <laughs> so, um, for me, I, I like these things as kind of a, a, a set piece encounter, but I have always been and will always be a massive fan of Mad Max Fury Road. And I would have uh, a Avernus level encounter um, with uh, one of these roaming uh, warlord bands that we've talked about before that have a whole bunch of these infernal engines kicking around with it. But the warlord himself rides and drives one of these things sits atop the hellfire engine and just goes right and and just cutting a swath of destruction as he as he cuts through avernus or or she cuts through avernus so um this is uh kind of the way that he fuels his army of um you know, uh, infernal war machines and, and, uh, hell riders and whatnot throughout, uh, Avernus. So he, he is on constant raids with this thing. It's kind of a moving fortress being huge. So like him and, uh, maybe his army of, uh, generals or concubines or whatever it is sit atop this thing as heavy metal music plays. And now you have a, uh, fight where you are trying to take this thing down in motion. Um, so it's it's one of those things where like the battle map's constantly moving as your party is climbing on top of this thing, kicking people off. It's more of a set piece 
that your party stands on top of more than it is a thing you fight itself. And if you land in front of it, you are going to be chewed up by this like grinder kind of style of um, steamroller. So I, I like I, I would I love these things. Uh, CR sixteen um, throwing throwing them in with other stuff like the um, infernal war machines that you find in the um, Descent into Avernus book. Uh, I think fits in many different ways. So that's that's that that would be my set piece encounter is is having taking down a uh, a devilish motorbike gang that has one of these things. No, that, that's pretty cool. Oh, you could like. Pull up beside it in your infernal machines. Yeah. And like jump off onto them. What, yeah, sorry, exactly. What do right? those make again? They, they, they make this. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. I hate you people. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. It's funny because as you were talking, Dan, I was thinking about reskinning this to be a boat. Oh, yeah. That would be cool. Somebody, you, you up the CR by two, maybe. And you have uh, uh, some sort of turbine that you can get sucked into and spit out the end with a whole bunch of slashing damage. Can you imagine this thing being a uh, just a just to amp the ridiculousness? Uh, make this thing a uh, flying creature for oh, like the- an airship battle on on Eberron. Uh, I like. This. Oh, hold on! If we're gonna ramp up the ridiculousness, let's let's uh, drop it down. Uh, rework all of the numbers and make it a series of tiny ones. <laughs> Just a couple, like a bunch of like ankle high spewing tanks. Yeah, they've all got like five foot range on all of their crazy shit and they'll run over your toes, but there's like 400 of them and they will knock you down prone and then they'll run over you. I like, and, and, and they still have oh, all the spikes and stuff, but it does like one damage. This This is like, you are raiding the evil, uh, like tiefling artificer, and he's just got an no, this, army of these things. This is artificers. your gnome tinkerer. Oh, this, these are like the scarabs in the mummy. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. One of them like goes up your nose. Oh, and they melt bone. Gross. Anyway, so that's it for this week's episode on high level constructs. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also find us at www.itsamimic.com or email us at info at itsamimic.com. Thanks for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast, and make sure to check us out next week when we're covering part one of our series on condition effects. You've reached the end of another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. Connect with us at itsamimic.com. Don't forget to subscribe and hit those share buttons. Thanks for listening and see you next week. So, I have a question for you guys. Constructs. They're not machines. As we talked about earlier in the episode, they are 100% not machines. But do you guys have an opinion on... In Eberron, should they be machines? No, because Eberron, it uses magic to animate uh, these particular constructs. 
not machines, right? Like it's it's the same. But there's a lot of clockwork, and there's cogwork, and there's steampunk. Should there be a subsection of constructs that are machines? Don't you get that through the infernal machines in Avernus, like where you have to put souls into but, the infernal? Yeah, but the inf- machines. The infernal machines in Avernus are are more like soul powered. Uh, they're they're more fiend than uh robot than me- than mechanical dynamo. Um, just like constructs in the normal D and D world are more magic than robot, but. I have always been a fan of my constructs being mechanical, right? They might be fueled or or um, um, perpetuated by magic, but they are mechanical in nature. Like you can you can clog the gears of some sort of like mechanoid thing, right? Like like the, there has to be a logic to a construct. It can't. Hmm. Like that's the way I put it. That's why I always joke around that they're robots. Derp, derp, derp. But like that, 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 that is what it is to me. Is a construct in its very nature needs to have a logic to it. Um, that could be if you are smart enough as a character, not necessarily as a player, but as a character, um, impede with and damage. Right. See, I think you are one hundred percent incorrect and wrong on that. What you're talking about is machines. And we'll we'll talk about that later. That's that. This is my this is my warm up. But like this is this is good meat for the episode, Dan. But I just disagree with you. Oh, I mean that okay. Uh, but like there's 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 two kind of trains of thought on this. Two schools of thought, and it's how mechanical are your constructs and how magical are your constructs. Very I like more mechanical. No, they're magical. Like, to the point where I would argue some of them, if they were to walk into an anti-magic field, they stop working. Yeah, I don't see that there's any that are actually mechanical at all. I look at the at the list of just the standard ones, things like, um, like the homunculus and the flying sword and the scarecrow. These don't have gears in them, right? The rug of smothering from uh, the monster manual. <laughs> Um, or like even, even the hellfire engine, I feel like these are things that are, are brought to life using magical means. A wizard has, has given them animation. Yeah. A clay golem, a stone golem, all of these things. They're not, there's no gears. There's nothing spinning. Yeah. The same way that in a flesh golem, if you pull out all the organs, it still moves. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I For some of those examples, I would agree. Like uh, a flying sword, of course, doesn't have it. A, uh, But I don't, I don't see why like a let's take the rug of smothering as an option. I don't see why that can't be a mechanical, uh, a because mechanical it's made construct. Of rug, Dan. No, like I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here going, if I was to say invade a gnomish tinkerer's layer of some sort and like this is a uh tier three threat of just a tinkerer gnome um every single thing would be mechanical in origin but uh the engineering of it is so precise that it appears magical um and that that's the way i would do it like there there i don't i don't see a problem with having high fantasy engineering 
that is not magical at all. Like there's there's the reason why some of these things are resistant to magic. There's a re- Look, reason why some of these things are super, uh, like even straight up immune to magic in some construct cases because Look, magic can't hurt them. They're purely I, I, mechanical. I uh, no, that doesn't make any sense because if it's just a whole bunch of mundane pieces put together, then magic would absolutely be able to affect them. But if they're magical items, then they would be resistant due to the base nature of, of their own magic, right? So I understand what you're saying about having clockwork and cogs and whatnot and a gnome tinker and that stuff is fine. That is clockwork and and whatnot. And maybe it is high enough uh, technology that they're able to, to have it be almost imperceptible from magic, but then it's not a construct. It's a machine. Those two words to me are synonymous. Like, I, I guess the way I kind of come at it is I have a very shadow run frame of mind where uh, there's there's kind of a, a seesaw of it. And the more magic you have, the less tech you have. And the more tech you have, the less magic you have. Like, there's, there's the seesaw mechanic. And the way I view my constructs is they function on both sides of that seesaw very, very well. And all constructs can fit on both sides of that seesaw. If I wanted to have a purely mechanical hellfire engine it's not a huge leap to have it if i wanted to have a purely mechanical steel predator it's not that hard to do it right there 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 it's just technology and inputting technology constructs is where technology and magic meld to me and either one can replace the other but it's a creature type that that healing magic works upon right it's not mending it is yeah, specifically no, healing magic. Well, they've changed the way that mending and, and healing magic kind of is at its base nature, how it functions in, in 5th edition. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, in previous editions. 3.5, Warforged couldn't benefit from a healing spell, but they can now, which is wonderful. But they've always been a construct. So what, I mean, what in, has changed? In 5th edition, they are organic material given sentience look they were then too yeah but the there it is flesh and blood that that mimics wood and steel all right it is just a different kind of organic material as opposed to it being just like mined out of the ground i don't know like i i i don't see a problem with uh like a warforged having components of metal I look at it this way. If you have an awakened shrub, then that is a plant given sentience. If you have a flying carpet, like from Aladdin, that is a carpet given sentience. If you have a stone golem, that is a statue given sentience. Period. Hard stop. Your gargoyles straight through your shield guardians and your, your, what is it, oaken bolter. Whatever they are, they're just given sentience. That's all it is. There's no, like, yes, there are moving pieces to them to allow them to move in in certain ways, the same way that we have joints, right? But there's no, like, you can add a hinge, but there's no circuitry. I uh, So the way I would also kind of put it is maybe that sentience is magical, sure. I mean, you could have a simple form of programming as well. That is put into You're these things circuitry. that is far more mechanical. 
I'm, I'm not talking circuitry. I'm not saying it has to be like a computer system, but I mean, there can be a mechanical program put in and say your construct hits a um, anti-magic field. The way I run it is they just become mindless killing machines that base off function if they hit a um, anti-magic field. Make their sentience magical. That does not necess- necessitate them being magical themselves. Like the mechanics of them being ma- magical, the movement, the attacks. That like, is uh, that- absolutely horrifying that your that your train of thought is different from your mobility, your motility. So, like, the yeah, idea, now I'm yeah, that's why clockwork- constructs are scary. <laughs> no, 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 I'm thinking about a clockwork soldier who's given sentience but cannot control where it moves. These things are just passengers inside their own bodies now. I wouldn't know. I would say it can, can control where it moves until it hits an anti-magic field. If they are fighting a, I don't know, a beholder and they pass in front of the eye of the beholder, they, for a moment, go on pause. It would be the same as like us hitting like a, a blackout period where um, like we get blackout drunk where all of a sudden we're, you know, moments later and we don't remember what we just did. Um, I That's the way I would run that for... Uh, um, any construct up to and maybe even including some warforged i mean i clear it with my players first that hey if you do this you're you kind of lose control of yourself a little bit right like right. I, I i i find that interesting i don't know i think i think if you cut a modron then there's and you look inside there is not a uh circuit there is not a clockwork innards they are magic they're magically put together and they're magically given sentience and that's it. Everything else in this entire game is magic. And so constructs are not the single unique different thing, except maybe occasionally there might be clockwork creatures in like the steampunk settings like Eberron. I think that you just have this old school um, holdover from 3.5, which really leaned into the idea that these are robots, right? I think that you have a holdover, like you said, from Shadowrun. But I, I right? don't, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like I also look at like Jason and the Argonauts with uh, that little mechanical owl thing that he's gifted, um, who, which name I forget. But it's a, it's a mechanical thing. Yeah, yeah, Archimedes. Um, it's a mechanical construct that functions as if it has its own soul, as has its own um, intelligence, but it's mechanical. And that's the way I run constructs, right? Construct, like, if you just say mechanics on a whole are not represented in the game other than, like, the rare, uh, freaking steampunk thing, I, I think that is, that is doing mechanics and ingenuity and engineering a disservice in a way where you could have them on there to, really perform this interesting it adds it adds a depth to combat as well because you can't just shut them down magically you've got to you've got to like it makes constructs a little bit more scary which i'm on board with because if they're just simple mechanical dynamos or they're simple magical dynamos they're 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 not as um they're not as threatening as if they kind of fit that middle of the road they could be both at the same time kind of thing so an interesting thing here is the one that I have covered, the Steel Predator, got into this, right? Um, so when it takes a certain amount of damage, it can, for lack of a better term, short circuit, right? That's the, the yeah. rogue killer 
thing that we went over. Right. Yeah, and and and, but- and it loses its programming and then kind of just hits this base form. Like it that's the that's what I would do, right? Like you do enough damage to to one of these things or you interrupt its programming in some way shape or form or you uh you know trap it so it can't do its return protocols or whatever they are. Um like you can have a big problem on your hands of a wild unleashed um mechanical threat. See, and I th- and I think again, any I think any construct could fit into that mold. I think but, having a wild merit storm through a plane of existence killing things without fail without stopping because it has, you know, it hasn't succeeded in its mission is a good little plot hook. It's a good good little uh, plot device. It's a good threat for a party. I I I got a hard hard disagree with you again on this. Here's what it comes down to. I'm a big fan of mechanics in games when it comes to elevators and when it comes to uh, even coal-powered or steam-powered trains or um, gnome tinkerers that are putting together little bits and pieces. But the moment that they start having things that are as complex as what we can create in this post-industrial age world that we live in now, then my answer is no. It has to be magic. So that when it comes to the idea of a construct, a being, something with a mind of its own, we can't even do that yet. Deep Blue is not even at the level of one of these constructs. We can't actually do this. Like We could talk about the Steel Predator and all of this protocols and everything else that you want to get into. But as crazy as the stuff that they're doing, what is it, Boston Mechanics is doing? And that's that's freaking amazing, and I love it. It's still not at the same level as the Steel Predator, which means that is a magical creature. There is no reason to think that it would be anything but. Yeah, well, it has it has sentience, whereas the Boston Dynamics robots don't. Exactly, but it also has a fluid nature. I that's why I say like if its sentience is magical in nature and we we are playing in a game that has that it's is not high fantasy though. Right? It's, if it has at, an intelligence how, to it. It's, like yeah, I don't I don't care if it has that. an intelligence. The damn thing has a charisma score. The damn thing it probably moves like crazy, right? Like it's going to be weaving in and out. We don't have anything that can do that. Not not in real life, not to be that level of autonomous therefore it has to be magical i am fine with there being mechanical creatures or not creatures but but uh but beings out there so you can set up the clockwork suit of armor to fight someone fine i'm cool with that but then it's not a construct it's an idol it's an object constructs are magically enhanced items I agree. I disagree. <laughs> like I, I just, I hard disagree. Like the the the, I don't think you need to have a just because it, just because it's mechanical, um, doesn't mean it's an item, right? Like I I I disagree that uh, an item means you can um, use it. Your party can use it. Can uh, uh like where it's like equipment I, I i don't i'm i'm not with that i mean these things are mechanical in nature you'd have to destroy to stop it because they're inevitable which is another form of weird construct but like it's um 
I, I, I would, I, I just, I disagree. Like I, you, you argue that they have a uh, charisma score. The Hellfire engine sure as hell doesn't. It's got its uh, charisma of one. So like these things are. Yeah, but Dan, my point is that a spoon has a has charisma of zero. A clock with gears in it has a charisma score of blank. Right. Therefore, the Hellfire engine, because it registers as a one, by default has a magical component and it runs on magic. That's all it is. That's all there is to it. You can sit there and if you were to break down, you flip it the other way around. You guys are talking about the anti-magic field. You break it down the other way and you um, remove bits and pieces of the Hellfire engine so that it doesn't work. You destroy the front of it or you get it so that it is, I don't know, stuck in concrete. I don't know. You mold earth up around it. It can't move. It still thinks. It's still there. You break down the quote-unquote autonomy of it, and it is still a creature with wants, and it has to be magical. I I, I disagree that it... Yeah, no, I, that, I, I don't think we're going to come to an accord on this one. It's another one of those ones where, like, uh, I think we're disagreeing on a fundamental of uh, what's... A construct really truly is um i i i love them like if if they are just magical beings that resemble machines then they they shouldn't be considered constructs because then they're not constructed they're not built they are they are they very much are built they are created built yeah but but a and a hellfire engine is built so it's a construct a statue is built, so it's a construct. You don't say you built a human when you give birth to a child, right? Which is would be a humanoid creature. I mean, and, you and could. You're not. I mean, yeah. Then you have a flesh golem, I guess. But like, it's it's like there's 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 a, a base level disagreement that we have about this, and and I, I sit here and I'm like, honestly. I see no problem with doing exactly what you what you said. If you could find some way to <clears throat> if you could find some way to disrupt the path of a hellfire engine by putting it in a pit or whatnot, that thing's sole purpose is to destroy. You could say that because it has a purpose to destroy, it wants to destroy. You could say it like that if you want to, but its purpose is to destroy. Um, I would do the same thing with like a steel predator. Its purpose is to hunt down its goal to hunt down its mark and kill it. That's its nah, purpose. That's nah, its want. You are you are starting to split hairs now. You cannot say that its its will and its purpose are two different things, right? I mean, the purpose of an egg beater is to beat eggs. When I put it down and I don't spin it, it's not like its will isn't being fulfilled. Its purpose isn't being fulfilled. It's just an inanimate object, right? And that's well, and that, that's my argument. It. That's my argument. These things could be turned off. There, there's an off switch on my constructs every single time. Okay, and so this is where I have a fundamental issue with you. You say that there's an off switch. There's no off switch on a homunculus for me, or a duodrone, a flying sword, a duragar screamer, a rug of smothering, a clay golem, a, a flesh golem, and a merit. There's no off switch on any of them. Hard stop. They are a construct the same way that undead operate by a certain set of rules. 
and we can sit down and argue about what is life and unlife and death and undeath. Exactly, yeah. Right? So I think there are different ways of, of looking at this, and we have just added an extra 23 minutes onto the end of an episode. And we accomplished nothing. Well, we, Yay. We, we heard Dan talk about how he doesn't like playing Dungeons and Dragons. He likes playing Shadowrun. We also heard uh, Adam spew shit out of his ass about how he doesn't think that these things could be mechanical. So, I mean, we're either way. We're either no, way. I, sa- I said that uh, there can be mechanical creatures, Dan, but they're not constructs. They're objects. And you said that the only thing that can be an item is something that a character can wear. So, which means that I guess that doesn't include desks. Desks aren't items. Or stone pillars are not objects. They're objects. They're not items. I uh, we are arguing I, I about say, constructs. I would say that and, it is an item. And, and that, I, at that point, at that point, we're both splitting hairs. We're both playing into semantics at this point. Right, and but, it's, it's but my point is that if it has a constitution and a, a dexterity, if it has uh, the full stat block of intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. It is a construct that is a magical being. It, otherwise, it is a number of it. Okay, so you know that. that so are baseline humans magical walls? beings? You know the room with the with the closing walls, and it's all like gears, and and there's a lever that opens it up and whatnot. Yeah, that is a mechanical aspect to a dungeon. Yeah, if there I agree. is a suit of night uh, suit of armor with a whole bunch of cogs and clockwork inside that is going to try to stop your guys, that is a mechanical aspect of the dungeon. It does not have a charisma score. It has no more of a charisma score than the damn room with the closing walls does. I don't necessarily... I don't necessitate a... Or I, I, sorry. I don't necessarily think that a charisma score in, it means magical. I think it just means this is... It means sentience. It, they have to stat it up. That that is part of the base D and D. It's just it it if you have a quote unquote monster, it needs to have a stat line, which means it needs to have charisma, because that is that is the system of D and D. I don't I don't I don't say that because it has charisma, it is a magical being. Because can by you swing that, a sword, can you swing a sword, and do you have to hit uh, an AC of a door? Yes. So a door has a stat block. Sure. So therefore it's a monster? No. What's your point here, Dan? My my point is there you could run these things, these these constructs as mechanical beings. They have a purpose, they have a goal, they have a programming, they have a protocol, they have all of those things. They have a logic ahead, to them. You can go ahead and run it as a machine if you'd like. But that is reskinning and reflavoring, and that is not the base creature. I I disagree. Like some of these things, you like I I don't know what else to say here, Adam. Like I I I straight up, I I look at these things and like especially with like the Hellfire engine, that to me is a mechanical thing. I mean, sure, it's got some magic in it because it is created by amnizus and 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 thrown out onto the front lines of the blood war but it it at its baseline is mechanical and i don't think it requires a reflavoring i don't think it requires a reskinning i think it is just a um 
that that is what they are and i know what yeah sure they might have some magical aspect to them i'm not i'm not disagreeing with you that magic is involved in these things we're playing dnd magic's involved but i i i am saying that constructs are a balance of magic and mechanics and to do either one of them a uh to minimize either one of those two aspects, you are doing a disservice to the creature, to the construct. But constructs in their base nature are constructed. They they are they are creatures created by part. They are not creatures created by birth or by some other form of creation. They are they are pieced together and then held together either mechanically or magically, and then given a purpose either mechanical or magical, and as a threat, your party then has to disrupt them. It doesn't require reskinning. It doesn't require a reflavoring. That's just the beauty in my mind of constructs. I fucking love constructs for that reason, is because they bring in engineering. They bring in this this level of uh, coolness. And sure, we're not there with um, our real world engineering, but that's mostly because you have a lack of magic in our real world. So, I mean. They're a balance know, of the two. I, I'm with you up until the part where you talk about how it can have a mechanical purpose. What you're talking about is computer programming. And if well, that's what you're doing, then you do not have a living creature. It's not a construct. It is not the, the creature type construct. It is a lowercase c construct. Right, because that's it. That's all you have is you've created a an object, and it may have all sorts of tinkering and stuff inside of it. Sure, absolutely, but it's not a creature type. It is an object, and you can fight an object. You can have really complicated objects. Uh, you can have to fight. You can be inside of a ticking clock and like a like inside Big Ben fighting around and whatnot. You can try to fight. These big things. The Warforged Colossus, I would say, um, is probably a freaking um, object. I don't think a Warforged Colossus has sentience. It absolutely does not have sentience. That's why you can get inside of it and drive it. Let me tell you, Dave, I could get inside of you and drive you if I wanted. Do you have sentience? No, you can't. <laughs> Thank you for listening to an It's a Mimic production. <laughs> okay, you're done. Get it. <laughs> Back to Terry's flashlight for just a moment here. If he can animate it, I want that fucker to have teeth. I bet Terry would want it to have teeth. <laughs> God damn it. I bet he's already added fake teeth. He's got a set of dentures in it right now. Yeah, not, not like sharp teeth, though, but like, you know, molars that have been rounded down. Just enough to give it texture. Gross. Not enough to hurt. Oh, just enough gross. to like... It's one of those clockwork ones. You turn the key and it... Yucky. All of this is yucky. <laughs> <laughs> I did.